I'm going to go ahead and warn you right up front that I don't have too much to say about this game, partially because it's a short game, partially because of the nature of the game. I'm also going to warn you that this is the second time I've recorded this, which is why we're using the green screen background rather than the original background, which was recorded close to a month ago. And that's because the original recording, and I didn't even find this out for forever, had no audio. I'm really hopeful the audio is recording this time. Because if I have to do this a third time, I'm going to suck. <laughs> I had a whole speech prepared. But I'm going to go ahead and, and try to replicate it uh, as best as I could, okay? <clears throat> I still have my notes, at least. Thankfully, I hadn't thrown those away. I usually throw these away as soon as I'm done with them. Uh, you know, so weird coincidence that I still had these. I'm going to start by saying that this is an unusual example of a game because I could see people uh, agreeing, arguing that it is artsy. Now... When we get to artsy, there are really two definitions of that word. One is a negative, and one is a positive. In other words, is it artistic, or is it stuck up? That's really what it comes down to. The former being positive, the latter being negative, of course. To give you a bit of a direct example, and I know I've shared this story before, trying to sell a clump of a rock on a thing of sod, with grass growing on it, and then trying to give this whole... I, I, I was in D.C. at one of the museums there when I saw this. This really happened. The gentleman who did this got $10,000 for it. There was this whole little plaque. There was a paragraph that was talking about how it was so indicative of the current socioeconomic status of the people living within the plight of the eastern coast region of this blah, 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 blah. And I just wanted to walk, find that guy and say, I'm sorry, does it actually bother you in any way, shape, or form to make up complete crap and tear it out of your ass and then sell it for money? I'm just curious if it bothers you. That is the negative form of artsy. And usually when people use the term artsy, they use it in that connotation. In other words, you're making crap up. I actually try very hard not to make stuff up on my show. It's actually a, a grayer line than you'd think, uh, at least from an external perspective. From my perspective, as I've said before, I know the distinct difference between reading into something and making something up completely. But that's from my perspective. From the external perspective, I know how easy it is to mistake one for the other. So I try very hard to never, unless I'm actively joking and making it obvious that I'm joking, to never just be artsy in that negative sense, to just kind of make stuff up in order to inflict some kind of non-existent meaning on something, because that just irritates the crap out of me. But then we've got the other type of artsy, artistic. In other words, this is something that is intended to have some kind of significance or meaning. It doesn't have to be necessarily subtle. It could be something uh, you know, deep or meaningful or blatant or obvious or whatever it is, as long as your intention is to touch people and, uh, and you know, affect them in an overall positive manner. Now, I mention this because the argument could be levied that both Bastion and you know, a previous indie game I looked at and this one, Brothers, are artsy games. But I would argue strongly, strongly in both points that they are both the positive forms. The themes and, and symbolism on display was very clearly intentional, deliberate, and trying to get across a real message rather than a frickin' rock in the middle of a plot of grass. Right? So that being said, <laughs> one thing I also want to comment on is... I didn't like this game my first time through. I actually played this a couple times. Um, the first time I played this, 
I just got to share this real quick. First time I played this, uh, I was actually playing it with the little one sleeping, you know, right there, which is about three feet or four feet that way, right? So I was playing it with the sound off. And, and you might be like, why not just have your headphones on? Because I wanted to, to hear how she is to see if she's uh, shifting or whatnot. If you've taken care of a child, you probably know what I'm talking about. So I'm playing without any sound whatsoever. I get quite a ways into the game. I got all the way up to uh, the suicidal gentleman without uh, without any sound. And I had the thought at least three times as I was playing through it, man, it's such a shame that I'm going to have to, you know, when I replay this with the sound on, because, I mean, this game is, I, I can just tell you right now, this game is so much better without actual dialogue or anything like that. If you've played this game, you understand why that amuses me so much now. Uh, for those of you who have not played this game, this game has no dialogue. Uh, they have names for the two principal characters, and they have basically simlish. And that's it. So there actually is no dialogue, so I guess uh, the developers agreed with me. Yay! But one of the things that this game does really, really, really well is visual design. I'm going to go and give you an example of this right off the top of my head here. Uh, even though I haven't played this game in several weeks as of now, when I'm recording this this time, uh, I still remember this very distinctly. There was a... Uh, we encounter a troll, or an ogre, or whatever it's supposed to be. And the troll has is sitting there crying quietly, uh, and there's two beds next to each other with hearts carved into them. Now, everything that needs to be said about that scene was said by that picture I just described. Again, very visual storytelling, and that, that's just all over the place in this entire game. They don't need to tell you anything. You can figure it out from how they portray it. Now, another interesting thing, though. I mentioned Bastion earlier. This game has another similarity to Bastion, in that both games aren't actually that good in their core. Like, for example, Bastion, in my opinion, did not have very good gameplay and did not have a very good story. I, I, I definitely think the same way of Brothers. In fact, I actively dislike the gameplay in Brothers, although I'll talk about why that is in a moment. And, um, and, and the story is incredibly lackluster, practically non-existent in some cases. But the thing that sells both games and made them both enjoyable enough that I actually wanted to replay both of them and did replay both of them was the presentation value. The execution of an idea matters so much. I've talked about this so many times in my Voyager videos. I don't care if you have a dumb idea per se. I mean, that's, that's a hard place to start from. But if you take a dumb idea and make a good episode out of it, by, being re by really caring, by really putting in the those production values and really, really trying to put forth your best and having a good presentation of that dumb idea, then I'll probably enjoy that episode. As opposed to a well-core-designed episode that is poorly presented, like the new DMC, for example. So, that, that presentation value means tremendous amounts when it comes to gaming, and is one of the reasons why I admittedly have been trying to have better presentation values myself with my show. Uh, obviously, I'm limited by not having the ability to make graphics or anything like that, but I'm doing my best. But I mentioned uh, the gameplay. Let's go ahead and talk about that here. There's... I didn't like the gameplay in this game. Um, and now I'm going to go ahead and just sit here for a moment while people throw rocks and sticks and stuff at me, especially uh, Melancholy, and I'm sure she's going to tear my head off for this, so I'm just going to wait. Okay, okay, there, we're good. Here's the thing, okay? Two reasons why I didn't like the gameplay. The first is I was playing this on a PC. Now, again, I'm sure some of you automatically are like, oh, okay, I get it. For those of you who don't know, the gameplay is this. There's... Directional controls for one brother, directional controls for the other brother, and a context-sensitive use button for each. And that's it. Those are all the controls. You know, this is all you got right here. Now, if you're playing this on, oh, I don't know here. Actually, I, have a, I happen to have a PS4 controller this time here. 
uh, excuse me, PS3 controller, PS2, it doesn't matter. So if you're playing it like this, you know, one brother, second brother, context buttons, this is easy. Try playing it on a keyboard. Now you might be like, well, not a, why not hook this up to the PC? Uh, it didn't work, and it didn't recognize it, and the USB controller I use is a SNES controller, which wouldn't work at all. So I had to play this with my keyboard, and it literally caused my hand to cramp up at several occasions as I was playing through this game, and I literally had to put it down certain times. It's not even a long game, but I had just had to put it down and flex my fingers a few times, because it was cause doing this all the time, it, it was pretty much like this. And having to constantly hold those those context keys, and some of the some of the things are a little bit uh, tricky on timing too. It, it got a little painful after a while. Second reason I didn't care for the gameplay, it felt unnecessary. Let me explain what I mean by that. I was talking to the, about this game to one of my friends several weeks ago at this point, and because uh, you know back when I originally recorded this, and uh, he and I were discussing it, and I forget how it came up. Oh, oh, that's right. I talked to him and I was telling him, I can't really qualify this as a puzzle game. Like, he was asking what type of game Brothers is, and I, I just stalled. I was just, for like a minute, and he's finally like, oh, well. And I'm like, well, I can't call it a puzzle game. Because it, it feels, I mean, I don't want to pull it technically, but I can't feel like anything in this game was actually a puzzle. You know, there was no thought that put into it. It was more like, get the Brothers in position and hold down the context-sensitive buttons to continue. That's not a puzzle. That doesn't engage my brain in any way, shape, or form. So when I started thinking, and that's why I was stalled for so long, because I was like, well, there's no real combat to speak of, and there's no heavy emphasis on story, and there's no real, you know, action of any form. There's no platforming. Um, there are Assassin's Creed sections, believe it or not. Parkour stuff, not the stabby stuff. Although stabby stuff would be interesting in this. And that's kind of it. And so my final conclusion after thinking about it for quite some time, was that Brothers actually has no core gameplay mechanic. Now, let me explain what I mean by that, uh, to, to make this clear. You could argue that controlling the two brothers is the core gameplay mechanic, but that is actually inaccurate. Um, that is a gameplay vehicle. That is the method by which you control the game, usually uh, lumped under uh, interface and, and, and control scheme rather than an actual gameplay mechanic. For example... Um, a core gameplay mechanic in the Zelda, in most Zelda games is acquiring new abilities which allow you to do new stuff and using those to solve puzzles and puzzle bosses, right? Um, most Metroidvania-style games, it's actually kind of similar. You know, the core mechanic is explorative, uh, uh, multiple, multiple paths unlocking of new areas in order to explore and, and do things pretty much how you want to in order to uh, unfold through the game. You know, that kind of thing. That's a core gameplay mechanic. It's basically when you, when you sear everything else out in the Crucible, that's what you're left with. Brothers, I don't think, has a core gameplay mechanic. And so, and I had that thought when I was first playing this game. And like I said, I, I got quite a ways into it. And actually, after I uh, had to put it down, you know, right, right out the suicide guy. I genuinely thought about just YouTubing the rest of it. Now I'm going to go and wait for a few people to stick and stone me again. I know this is a popular game. Go ahead. I, I'm, I've always tried to be honest with you guys. But this is a rumination, which means this is still a positive. So now that you're done sticking and stoning me, uh, ow, I'm going to proceed and tell you why I'm glad that I didn't YouTube it. This is a huge spoiler, so if anybody doesn't want this game spoiled, I mean, it's really cheap, especially if you get it on Steam sale. I actually do recommend you get this game and at least give it a once-through. Play it on a controller, though, or get it on uh, Xbox Live. So this is your big chance. 
you don't want spoilers. Towards the end of the game, one of the brothers is dead, and the first brother has to go across some water to, f to finish the quest, to save his father. And he can't bring himself to do it because he has agoraphobia or aragophobia or whatever it is, you know, phobia of water. Can't do it. And no matter what you do, no matter what button you press on his control thing, it will not advance the thing. It, you will not actually be able to finish the game. You have to hold down the context-sensitive button for the elder brother, the one who's dead, in order to get the younger brother across there. That one single moment of gameplay story integration was worth playing the rest of the game, in my opinion, because it's all built up to that. You go through the whole game, and the whole game, the elder brother is almost literally carrying the younger brother. And you go through the whole game getting used to the idea of the two moving at the same time and using the stuff at the same time and getting into that mindset of it. And then without any real warning, it's jarring, and it's all of a sudden you're just controlling the one brother. But the only way to complete it is to go ahead and control bro both again, just like you used to. And it's wonderful in a story sense because there's so much that can be extrapolated on that. I'm still thinking about that scene. You know, and, and, and this is long after I originally did my recording for this video. So again, I am still thinking about that scene. It's great stuff. I've heard three major theories about what happens there. I'm going to share the first two, which are not mine, and the third one, which is mine, with you. The first major theory is that since we know ghosts and spirits and whatnot exist in this setting... The idea, if you can call it a setting, the idea is that the elder brother literally reached out beyond the grave in a positive manner, of course, in order to help the younger brother get across. Okay, I'm with that. Kind of fits with something else I'll talk about in a bit. The second big theory I heard was that the uh, younger brother is so dependent upon the elder brother that he literally cannot do anything without the elder brother's assistance, and so his reliance on the elder brother's presence there indicates the fact that he is trapped within his youth, or whatever you want to call it, you know, the inability to grow up, and therefore uh, you know, negativity, depression, etc. I don't quite buy that one, although it's, I, I, I get the, the thought behind it. My theory... My theory takes a little bit more to explain. My theory is that the younger brother learned how to do it with the memories that were still with him of his elder brother. That with those memories and with the courage and enheartenment that the thoughts and memories of his elder brother granted him, he was capable of doing something he otherwise thought he would not be capable of doing. And that's why you need to press that other button to invoke those memories, to make him realize what has been done and to take that final step. And I like that because I feel like it fits with both of the major themes of this game, which I'll be talking about in a moment. In fact, I'll be talking about those last. As I'm glancing at my notes, trying to remember what I... Ah, right, okay. So, now that I've uh, made you all hate me for not really caring for the gameplay of this game, I want to talk about a couple other things. First of all, the be there's benches all over the place, and you just sit on them and you get a, like a panoramic view. Even before that, I got the really distinct impression that this game was graphically designed to look like a painting. And yet they do some things with some uh, filters and, and presentation and uh, angle and whatnot to make it look like that. Every time you sit on those benches, what you're looking at is a painting. I mean, obviously it isn't. It's a, it's a rendering in the game. It's done in the game engine. But it's designed to look like a painting. That's a nice touch and very much fits with the graphical style of the game. But that ties in very heavily to my next point. I don't like to indulge in nitpicking, 
but I do have the mind for it, because my mind is the kind of mind that likes to keep track of tiny little details, especially because when those details are satisfied, I, I tend to enjoy it all the more. When someone actually bothers to put it in attention to that level of detail and all little subtleties and nuances and all that fun stuff, I enjoy it tremendously. So when I look at a game that is incredibly inconsistent and doesn't make any degree of logical sense, it bugs me. And I was just going through this whole game. I, I, I'd barely gotten past the troll area by the time I was like oh, practically tearing my hair out. I mean, look, it's all gone now because of this game. Because I couldn't, I was just, oh my god, none of this makes sense. Why do I, why do we have to go to the tree of life to save the dad from inspecific cough disease to the point where he can't even move, but it'll be okay because the tree of life happens to be in walking distance of this town, which happens to be 20 feet from a freaking underground troll empire, which we just jumped into with a hat. And it was just, ah, none of it made sense. I was sitting down on one of the benches uh, after the trees section when it, when it just hit me like a ton of bricks. This isn't a story. This is a tale. And the difference between the two is monumental. A story is designed to be something that, for better or worse, you could see actually happening. Within the confines of the fictional setting, it is something that is designed to be self-consistent to the point where you can actually believe that things are happening. I mean, obviously not in real life, but within the fictional setting. You follow? A tale is something that is designed to get across a thematic or symbolic point that has no obligation towards self-consistency whatsoever, and indeed most tales actively go out of their way to not be self-consistent. So, the moment I realized I was playing through a tale, not a story, a lot of things made a lot more sense. It also helped me on my second playthrough, I might add. Which brings me to those two big themes. Now, like I said, this is going to be a short episode, just like it was last time. I just don't have that much to say, and I do apologize. This is a good game, and I do recommend it. The first and most obvious theme is growing up. But I like it because this this game doesn't take the usual cliched one-step growing up approach. Too many things when they have a theme of growing up say, this happens, and then you grow up. But that's not how that works. Brothers bothers to show you so many different steps in the line. I actually had to stop myself from running down all of them. And it's almost a shame now because now I don't remember all of them. But I do have uh, a few noted down here to, to help jog my memory. Because every single major point in the game is another step of growing up. And it's not all a smooth curve, because growing up isn't a smooth curve. We don't get 10 experience towards growing up every day now, do we, when we're kids? No, it's all over the place. And sometimes we backslide a bit, right? So let's look at this, shall we? And I glance at my notes. What's the very first thing we encounter? Getting the, getting the father into the, into the place. That involves figuring out the controls. The only thing that can be considered a puzzle is you know, using the lever with the elder brother and then holding down the thing with both brothers for an inordinately large amount of time in order to get the father up. That's it. But that is usually our first step, isn't it? Trying to figure out how to move, how to do, how to function. Simply figuring out how to be is almost always the first step in growing up. What's the next thing we encounter? The bully. Segway. I know that in real life, bullies tend to be worse than this, and um, bullying is a genuine problem that is actually very, very complicated and very gray and doesn't have an easy answer. So 
in my mind, and in my notes, I have this guy written down as bully, but when I say bully, what I effectively mean is jerk. This guy isn't a true bully. He's just someone who's trying to piss you off for the lols, but not in any serious way like real-life bullies do, okay? Moving on. The jerk, now that I've corrected myself, is just barring you entry to the town. And then he's trying to bar you from getting in. And that's it. He's like the most mild form of irritant. And he's incredibly easy to bypass. It's almost like a cartoon, the way you bypass him. You, you sick a dog on him. And he goes, no, you know. It's all lighthearted. It's all innocent. Because the very first obstacles we encounter in our lives when we are young are not major obstacles. They are little things, like losing a bit of candy or letting, letting loose your grip on your balloon, which means you've lost that balloon. I actually had that one happen to me myself. I still remember that incident. Those are the things that naturally mattered to us at the time. But in the scheme of things, even within our own lifetimes, we look back and we just think, ah, if only I could have problems like that now. The second thing we encounter is the dog. Not the dog we let loose, just another dog. Or maybe it is the same dog, I don't know. And the dog is like, woof, woof, woof. And the sound design and animation design are, are brilliant because you can tell by the way the dog is presented that he is not actually a threat. He's just a dog, He's, you know. And you have to bypass him by using one to distract him and the other to get by, you know, simple teamwork kind of a thing. So we learn teamwork as a basic concept and again, a non-threatening difficulty to overcome. I liken this to say, stepping in some mud accidentally or even purposely and having to come home and tell your parents that I kind of got dirt all over my new shoes and feeling bad because your parents yelled at you a bit. Again, very minor problem, but another step in the process. The next major thing we encounter is the troll. I already mentioned him in brief, but pay attention to that scene. It says so much about the themes of this game in one nutshell, both themes. The elder brother gets defensive immediately, puts his arms out, he's glaring, he is prepared just in case this troll is a threat because he has experience. He is effectively a grown-up. I know he's only an elder brother, but by the way the game presents him, he is in many ways a grown-up. He understands that there are things in life that may hurt you, genuinely hurt you, really hurt you, really cause you harm. And so he is defensive because this is an unknown, and he has learned throughout his years to approach an unknown as if it was a threat. And then we cut to the little boy over on the side who looks up, and his face is completely different. He's inquisitive, shy, and he just waves like this. Because he doesn't understand how bad things can get, how bad bad can get. He has no comprehension of those things, so he just sees a stranger and he says, Hi! The funny thing is neither of them are right or wrong. Now in this case you could say the young child is right, but that's not the point. In their approach to a stranger without knowledge of that stranger, neither of them are, per are more correct or more wrong than the other, because both approaches are valid. It can be argued that the reason the troll was so nice was because of the way the younger brother approached him. But it could also be argued the troll was a good, decent being anyways. Who knows? The point is, that's our next obstacle. A stranger. Now, in this case, the stranger was helpful, and that is something we tend to learn. I know that sounds so weird in such a world that tends to talk about cynicism and horrible things happening all the time, but in my experience especially, and the experience of many others I know and have witnessed, most of the time, especially when we're younger, when we see those strangers, we just say hi, and they say hi right back, and sometimes they help us. 
Sometimes we're lost or scared, and someone's like, can I help you? Can I help you get back to your parents, to your mom? And they, and, and I say, I lost her here, 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 and they say, okay. Again, a little step more in the increase of the threat level, but not a big one. And what's the next thing that happens? The troll underground troll steampunk empire place. Straight out of a fairy tale, right? This is to invoke that sense of wonder in exploration and adventure that so many of us have had as children. I hope many of you have had as well. I know I did. I, I spent a lot of my childhood in California. And while you might be like, you know, you probably automatically think cities and whatnot, you'd be surprised how much forestry there still is in California. So I spent a lot of my youth just roaming the hills and the mountains of the Sierras and going through the woods and whatnot. I think it was the Sierras, pretty sure. Because that's the Rockies and that's the Appalachians. So yeah, I'm right. <laughs> adventure. Just oh my god, everything's amazing, and I get to see this, and I get to see that, and oh, what's that? And, you know, there's no sense of danger. There's no sense of, of impetus. It's just exploring this brand new world. The next thing they encounter is the big, ugly trolls, both of them. Now, both of these are effectively the same difficulty, just expressed in, you know, one right after the other. Both of them are outwitted by the cunning and the dexterity and agility of the, of the brothers, the younger brother in particular. Again, another step up in the chain. Some of the things we tend to learn when we're younger is how to use what we have to our advantage in order to save ourselves. And, it no, and again, this is really important. Thanks to the audio and visual design, at no point do the trolls actually feel genuinely threatening. Instead, they feel like comic relief. Ha ha, I trapped you in the cage, you know, that kind of a thing, right? At no point do you look at them like you're in any serious danger, which is important. Because those first few times when we are young, when we flirt with danger, we don't feel like we're in danger, do we? The next point is the most important point of all. There are some people in real life I know who have never gone through this point in their childhood or in any point in their life. Most of the people I know have. Most people go through it usually around their teenage years, sometimes even later than that. There's a point in life where most people have something happen to them. It does not matter what it is. I am not going to give examples. But that something lets them know what really bad means. No playing around. No joking. This is not muddied shoes. This is not a, a wild dog that might have bit you. This is really bad. And shows you just how bad bad can get. Mine happened when I was four, for reference. The Wolves. Again, wonderful presentation because the audiovisual design is all over the place, even without seeing what happens when they catch you, which I let happen on purpose just to see what happened. I'm not evil. <laughs> even without that, the design is clear. These are a threat. These are here to hurt you. These are here to mangle you or maul you or eat you alive or rip you to shreds. Something horrible and terrible. This is not like the trolls where there was no th sense of urgency or threat. This is not like the dog. This is not like the cave. This is not like anything else you've ever encountered before. For the first time, you are truly, genuinely threatened. And it is a huge, noticeable shift in tone because when we are growing up, the moment that happens to us, our whole life has changed from that point on. Our, our perspective, our, our mindset, 
our opinions, our thoughts. It's all changed. We have, we have a new layer of glasses on now, thanks to that incident. And so the whole rest of the game gets so much darker because of that. Now, I'm only going to go one further than this, because the next one is, I think, just as important. It's also the only one I have written down after this point, and that is the trees. After we surpass the wolves, we have to face the trees. Again, the sound design is beautiful. They sound horrifying. It's actually the one part in the game that really got to me the most. You might think, since I have arachnophobia, the spider section did, but the spider was sufficiently fantastical that it never actually got to me in, in that particular manner. I mean, it was horrifying, don't mistake me. The, the side view with the seeing this and this while you're going there and they're totally ignorant, that was brilliant. Uh, a classic example of the player knows, whereas the character does not. Horror. But anyways... The trees. Oh my god, the sound they made. And the fact that the trees don't benefit. Now this is really important. Because this is an aspect of growing up that I wish didn't exist. Sometimes, some things or some people out there will hurt you to hurt you. They are, this is what I usually refer to as malice. Re, you know, talk, not talking about you know any, you know, oh I'm malicious, no. But I'm talking about in real life, genuine malice. Those trees don't benefit from hurting you, from killing you, from sending you, abandoning, you know, dropping your trees. Watch that scene again where you go through the trees. They're not trying to eat you or, or anything like that. They're not, they don't gain sustenance like the wolves did or the, or the spiders did. There's no benefit to them whatsoever to hurt you other than to hurt you. And when you actually finally get to the end of it, one of them snaps the rope off out of spite, and as the other guy plummets, he strikes at him too, just to try and get at him, just to hurt you just a little bit more. Learning what malice is, is unfortunately another aspect of growing up. Now I'm going to cut off the specific examples here, but the point remains, as you go through the... Replay this game sometime, or rewatch it, every single additional point is another thing, another example, another symbolism of what we go through as we grow up, until finally we get to what I tend to refer to as one of the two big pillars of being an adult. And that is being willing to do something horrible, because you have to. And I don't mean because someone's forcing you, I mean because you have to, because you have a responsibility, or a duty, or because you choose to, or because you will yourself to. Being willing to cross that river, even though it was a horrible, terrible thought, to save his father, that's being an adult. And it also ties in with the second theme of this game, which I feel is even stronger and much more subtle. I've never heard anyone talk about the second theme of this game. I've heard plenty of people talk about the growing up analogy, but never this part. Loss. This game is all about loss and the grief that comes with that, the pain, the agony that comes from going without. We see it everywhere. The game begins at the grave. It ends at the grave, too, now that I think about it. This game, every single character that has any sort of screen time, uh, and any significance, I should say, to the story, is dealing with loss. This is why I feel like a tale format for this worked better, because trying to make a consistent story while having such important thematic emphasis is much more difficult to do and might have actually detracted from the thematic significance of loss, because some of the examples don't fully make sense. But the interesting, the most interesting thing to me is the way they present loss. 
in fact and fiction both, I tend to see one of two extremes, okay? Loss sucks, and you'll never get over it, and you might as well just quit trying. Or, it's going to be okay. They'll always live on inside you. Tomorrow's another day. Cry it out and it'll all feel better. Brothers takes an unusual perspective by actually combining both of these. The game is absolutely brutal and right up in your face about how bad loss is. At no point does it try to console you. It tells you flat out, loss is horrible. But then it also shows just about every single individual who has lost going on, living with that loss. That's another thing about being an adult, by the way. Not the second pillar, but another you know, branch, I suppose, of being an adult. Learning to live with the bad so that we can enjoy the good. Learning to live with loss and grief and really bad and malice and all those other horrible things. It's such an unusual perspective because the kid, the, the younger brother in this one, arguably loses twice throughout the course of this game. Or rather, from the beginning of this game. Before the beginning of this game with his mother, towards the end of this game with his elder brother. But again, at no point in time does it, in, it imply that he tries to stop or quit. Even at the ending. With him and his father, you know? It's an interesting perspective. I don't have much else to share, I'm afraid. Um, I had in the original video I just remembered I had a thing where I talked about how this game doesn't really have a story because it doesn't really have characters it doesn't really have a plot it doesn't really have a setting per se it doesn't really have character growth but it does have very strong themes so you know it's debatable um, I also asked a question in the original video which I suppose I'll go ahead and re-ask here do you think that the messages of this game are worth taking to heart or not because the only people who can decide that is us. The people who view it, the people who play it. And that's one of those reasons that I love so much things that are genuinely artistic. Another form of artsy in the bad sense is someone who smacks you over the head with a frying pan and says, Symbolism! You will take this message and you will like it. And you will agree with it. But I like games and books and whatnot that give you a symbol and a thing and let you decide for yourself what you think on it. So, food for thought. Hope you've enjoyed this reproduction here. I'm going to check the audio in like 10 seconds, and if it's bad, I'm going to shoot myself. <sighs> I'll see you next time, guys.